We're going to be looking tonight at the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And we will be thinking about the title of the sermon, Staying Faithful to the Lord. You know, the goal of every one of us should be our faithfulness to the Lord. Our ultimate desire is to be able to live in such a way that one day we might be able to enjoy the blessings of heaven. You might recall that Jesus said to be thou faithful unto death and ye shall receive the crown of life, Revelation 2 and verse 10. It was also James who said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised to them that love him, James 1, 12. The first thing that I want you to notice with me tonight has to do with Israel's possession of the land. Now, God had made a promise. He made a promise many, many years earlier to Abraham that he would give to him and to his seed a land that would flow with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, Moses speaks of that bounty of this land down in verse 10 of our text. He said that it is great and goodly cities, a large and beautiful land. And I think about Canaan and all the benefits and all the blessings that came with Israel's possession of this land. Now Moses, as you recall, did not lead the people into that promised land, but rather his successor Joshua was the one that ultimately led the children of Israel into that promised land. But as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we think about their possession of the land, one of the things that God had called upon them to do was to be the practitioner of the word. They were to take the law of God. They were to take the commands of God very seriously. And at least three times we find here that Moses will encourage the people of God that when they're going to possess this land, that they were to observe all of the commandments of the Lord. Let's notice verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, in all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it might be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers had promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And so the first thing that God wanted out of his people was obedience. If you and I are going to stay faithful in the Lord, then ultimately we would have to remain obedient to every command that he sets before us. I, I like what he says there in verse 2, that they were to reverence the Lord their God and to keep all of his commands. On one occasion, Jesus asked a question, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say, Luke six forty six. Ultimately, what we believe and what we profess should harmonize with our practice, right? That's right. We ought to be the kind of people that we are striving to consistently walk within the commands of Almighty God. 
Now, God wanted his people in the long ago to observe, to honor, and to revere his divine commands. And so we think about how they were to be practitioners of the faith. But then also notice the provisions of the faith. Look at verse 2 again. If they honored the commands of God, if they remained faithful to him, if they were obedient to what he said, notice what he says, then God promised their days, as he said, may be prolonged. How about that? In verse 3, he writes, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee. Here I think about the abundance, the overflow that comes to individuals who will honor God's word. Did you know that if you and I will just simply strive to the, really to the best of our ability to live in harmony with the will of God, that he will shower those blessings upon us? Oh, yes. That might be hard to imagine, but you and I will be richly blessed God promised these people in the long ago that if you do what I say, then I will richly bless you. I will prolong your days and you will multiply in the land. Is it not the case that for us today that we want what's best in life? I mean, we want what's best for our children and for our grandchildren. We want the blessings of God showering down upon us in every way. And so one of the ways that we can enjoy the very manifold blessings of God is by honoring his word. And Moses here on behalf of God is saying, listen, if you'll do what I say, then I will bless you and I will bless you abundantly. When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he talked about it in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, that every spiritual blessing belongs to those who belong or are in the scriptures that belong to the body of Christ, right? Some of those spiritual blessings are pardoned from sin. Ephesians 1, 7, when the apostle Paul said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, we enjoy peace with God according to Romans 5, 1 and 2. The peace that passes all understanding, as we know. We have the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And I also would remind you that when God called upon Joshua to lead the people into the promised land, this land that would ultimately flow with milk and honey, he told Joshua then, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. To know that God will abundantly bless us and that God will abundantly bless his people as they went into the promised land. Many of those promises, however, were conditional in nature. But then also notice the passion that they were to have in the faith. Look at verse 4 and following. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. They were to take the word of God and literally store it up in their heart. And they were to love the Lord their God with every fiber of their being. 
Jesus talked about it in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. How we are to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. If you and I want to prosper spiritually speaking, and we want blessings in measure, then what we need to do is to strive to grow in our love for God, to deepen our love and our commitment to Him. Just a while back, we talked about a man by the name of Gaius. You might remember that. And when John had wrote to Gaius in, in 3 John, he said in verse 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things, beloved of all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. As we grow, as we grow in our love for God, we, as we deepen our commitment to his word, into his ways, then ultimately we will... We will love every intrinsic blessing. We will enjoy those intrinsic blessings. I think one of the things that you and I would do well to remember is that the more time we spend in prayer to God, the more time we spend in the Word of God, the deeper our faith will be. I'm sure you will agree with me. The greater our love for the Lord will be as well. There are a lot of benefits and blessings to reading and studying the Bible. But if you want to know about God and you want to delve deeper into the mind of God, then we've got to spend more time in his book, don't we? The psalmist said long ago, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day and night, Psalm 119, 97. And so first of all, there was the possession of the land that Moses talked about. But then he talks about their profession in the land. And really what he's emphasizing here has to do with the passing on of their faith. Note, if you will, what Moses records beginning in verse 7. He said, and thou shalt teach them, that is the precepts of God, the law of God, diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You need to be instructing your children in the precepts of Almighty God. How important is it for us to pass on our faith to our children and our grandchildren? It is very important. You know, you've heard it said, and I'll say it as well, that we are just one generation from apostasy. I hope it's not our generation, but it will happen if we are not teaching diligently. You know, some of you may have run track in school, and one of the typical events that takes place in a track meet is the relay, relay race. You might know that very well. And sometimes you, you have four legs of a, a relay race. And they will pass that baton to each leg of that race until the finish line. Well, that helps us to illustrate what passing the faith is all about. We are handing off, if you will, the baton, God's word, to future generations, the faith, the future generation. That's what we want to do. 
We want to honor the words of Paul when he said to, to bring up our children, children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4. And thus, what is it that we're trying to do? We're trying to educate our children. We're trying to teach our children the ways of the Lord. As parents, we have a responsibility of passing the faith on to our children, but we have, as members of the church, we want to do our best to teach our young people. We want to lay a foundation for them so that they believe in the precious truths of Almighty God. There are a lot of forces at work in our society today and in some school systems where our young people are being taught that evolution is a fact. It's not because it's called the theory of evolution and theories are not based on facts. That's interesting, isn't it? Many of the movies that are coming out today deny the existence of Almighty God. Some of the television programs are seeking to instill in our children that there is no God. And we know what more is happening as well in our day and time. Some of the, well, we ought to be aware of trying to lay this foundation and say to them, yes, there is a God. And his God made this universe in which we live. God made you in his image and in his likeness, is 1, 26 and 27. And so we're trying to lay this foundation. You see, God has endowed you with the freedom to make the choices in life. You know, as we talked about last week, do I really have to? I mean, you don't have to. But if you want to go to heaven, you'll want to, right? That's, that's very important. You don't really have to, but... You have that choice. And God has allowed us that freedom to make the choices in life. And what we want you to do is to make the wise choice to be like that wise builder who built his house upon the rock. And not like that foolish builder who built his house upon the sand. And of course we know what happened to that. So the question to ask is, is are you educating your children? Are you teaching them? And then secondly... Are you leading them by way of example? Yes, we need to teach. Yes, we need to instruct. Yes, we need to educate. But we also must set before them the right kind of example. You see, you can teach them all day. You can show them the way. But if you're not living the right example, you're actually teaching them the wrong way. That leads down that wrong direction. We need to be the right kind of example. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am in Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is the standard by which we measure all things. We can read about him in the word of God, and we can notice the great example that he has left for us to follow. But he is the one that we're trying to emulate. And so what we are saying to our children is, listen, Follow our lead. Follow our lead. Walk in our footsteps because we're trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. One of the problems that characterized the nation of Israel was their unfaithfulness. And one of the reasons that they became unfaithful to Almighty God was that they failed to teach. They failed to instruct. In the book of Judges, we read of another generation that arose after the lifetime of Joshua and those elders that outlived him. And so the writer said that there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. 
nor yet the great works that he had done for Israel, Judges 2, 10. How did that happen? Israel had been entrusted with the law of God. They had the precepts of God. They had this law. They were to instruct and teach their children in their homes when they should walk by the way. And yet apparently they failed to do it because of that great problem that arose. A generation which knew not God. If you begin to read the book of Judges, you'll see that for a period of time that they would be faithful to God. And then as you continue reading, you will see where they became unfaithful. And so God would raise up an oppressor. And then after a period of time, they would cry out for deliverance. And so God would then raise up a judge to deliver them. And over and over again, the cycle emerges in the book of Judges. Faithfulness, unfaithfulness, faithfulness, unfaithfulness. And so the idea is to teach and instruct your children to put in their hearts a knowledge and a love for God, to set the tone in the home. And so this idea of passing on the faith, this baton, if you will, the Word of God, as we think about their profession in the land. But then thirdly, notice their progression in the land. We talked about their possession in the land, their profession in the land, but then their progression in the land. Moses is going to talk in very explicit terms here about what's going to happen once they got into this land that flows with milk and honey. And what he's, going, what he's doing here is putting them on guard. He is saying that you need to be careful because there are some perilous times that await you. There are some dangers that you're going to be facing that are looming about before you as they're about to go into that promised land. You better be careful. Well, what were these dangers? Look at verse 10. He says, And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee a great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged when thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware. Why? Lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So by way of danger, the first thing that Moses warns them about is their forgetfulness in the land. And the idea is that they would forget the Lord. They would forget the Lord. Here God is described as a benevolent God, a God who has showered upon them all of these great blessings. You know, Moses wrote in Exodus 19 and verse 4 where God reminded Moses of how he had borne them on eagles' wings and brought them into himself, that God had delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt, out of the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. They crossed the Red Sea as if they crossed on dry land. Pharaoh and his army were destroyed. And so God's people have been delivered. And God is saying, I'm going to bring you into this great and bountiful land. However, when you get into this great and bountiful land, when you begin to enjoy the fruit of the land and the prosperity of that land, 
You need to be careful. Why? Because you will forget me. That's what the Lord said. What is the lesson here? The lesson is this. Prosperity can ruin us. Prosperity can ruin us. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with money or materialism. That is the material goods of life. But God is the one who has provided all of that. Don't forget that. God is the one who has showered upon us every good and perfect gift. God is the dispenser of all of our blessings. Isn't that what James wrote in James 1.17? Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Yes. The problem is, however, is that when people become skewed in their perception of things eternal and things material in nature, sometimes the material side of life can obscure our spiritual side. We get to thinking that we have done it all on our own. That we don't need anybody. That we don't need the help of God. Have you ever heard somebody talk about, look at what I've done. Or look at what I own. Or look at all the things, the great properties that I possess today. Selfishness, isn't it? Let me tell you about how much money I have in the bank. Or how many CDs that I have and on and on and on and what Paul said was this that we are stewards of the things that we possess and that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful what God is saying to his children is this you need to be careful you need to watch that when you get into this land that is just overflowing with this abundance lest you forget about me Just look at our country today. Look how blessed we are as a nation. We talk about these illegal immigrants. And one of the reasons that there are people who are migrating to this country is because this country for many, many years has been viewed as the land of opportunity. The land that floweth with milk and honey as compared to their land, right? People want to come to this country because they see it as a land that flows with milk and honey. They're looking for that American dream. And I'm grateful to live in this country and I'm very thankful for all the many blessings and favors that we have in this country. But is it not the case that many people in our country, because of the bounty and the abundance, that we have enjoyed the fat of the land? if you please, that we have forgotten about God because of it. We've gotten too big for God. We've outgrown the idea of God. This idea of an almighty God, a sovereign ruler of the universe, is old-fashioned to many. That's archaic. Archaic. We're too sophisticated. We're too intellectual to believe in such a thing. And rather than teaching about a creator in our schools, what we need to do is spawn this theory of evolution. That's how we came into being. That life is not sacred and on and on and on. That's what's happening. But if you look at our country's history, there was a day in our country when people, by and large, believed in the God of the Bible. Go back and read that Declaration of Independence. And you'll see it. 
Is it the case, is it possible that we in this nation have forgotten God? Years later, Jeremiah the prophet is going to come on the scene. And Jeremiah is going to talk to the children of Israel. Now, one of the problems that was characteristic of the people in his day, and they were about to go away into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And Jeremiah asked a question, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Jeremiah 2, 32. Is it possible that we have forgotten the Lord? That's one of the problems. Don't you like to be forewarned? To be forewarned is to be forearmed. God is telling these people, listen, here's what you're going to face when you come into this land that flows with milk and honey. Here's what you need to expect. You need to be on guard because there's some dangers that are looming before you. Number one, you need to be on guard lest you forget the Lord. Forgetfulness in the land. But then secondly, the friendships that they will cultivate in this land. Let's look over into chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. In chapter 7 and verse 1, Moses again talks about them entering into that promised land. And then in verse 3, he warns them. Notice Chapter 7, verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, that is, with these pagan nations. Thy daughter shall not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou, shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. God is saying, listen, when you come into this land, you are my holy nation, and what I want you to do is to remain a distinctive nation, a holy people. And if you get out and you fraternize with these other nations, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to lead you off into idolatry. Pagan idolatry. What's the lesson for us here? If we develop unhealthy associations, unhealthy alliances, ultimately it's going to lead to ungodly activities. Guaranteed. That's exactly what Moses is warning them about. I can think of no greater danger that possesses young and old alike than the danger of evil companions. That's why we warn our young people, make sure you run with the right kind of people, right? All of us as parents know that. You need to run with the right friends. That's why we encourage Christian fellowship. And let me just add this. That's why it's always, always safest to marry a Christian. A Christian, a New Testament Christian. To marry somebody who's trying to go to heaven. Who's trying to live like Christ. Who will help you go to heaven. And thus you can help them go to heaven. Those who have the same goals, the same aspirations that you have. The question was asked by Amos, the prophet in the long ago. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. If you're not on the same page, whether it be friendship or marriage, you're only asking for trouble. I know there are a lot of people who will say, well, I married a non-Christian and I was able to convert them. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. I'm glad. But there have been some success stories 
But there have also been so many horror stories as well. There are people today who are in denominations now. There are people today who have left the Lord's church because they made unwise decisions about whom they fellowshiped. Whether by way of friendship, ultimately by way of marriage. And so these were the dangers that loomed before the children of God. How then can they overcome these obstacles that they might face in this land? Here's what Moses said. Let's go back to chapter 6. Notice uh, verse 13, beginning. He said, number one, you need to reverence the Lord. Here's what he writes. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. The idea is just reverence the Lord and honor him. I, I said a moment ago to be forewarned is to be forearmed, right? The beautiful thing about God is that he's very transparent. There are no hidden agendas about him. God's not setting these people up to fail. God is saying, listen, if you want to be faithful and productive in this land, if you want to be blessed immeasurably, then here's what you need to do. Reverence me. If you want to be faithful to the Lord, if you want to live in such a way that heaven can be your home, then stay faithful to the Lord and remember to reverence him every day that you live upon this earth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Look around in our society today. Today, there are a lot of people that look at God and they lack reverence. They may fail to, to revere sacred things and spiritual things. And what we need to do is to make sure that our hearts, our hearts are in tune with the Lord. Very much so. When you begin to think about and reflect upon the greatness of God and all that God has, has done for us, the fact that he is our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, that alone is worth it. That alone is worth it. That alone should spawn within us with reverence for him. We should stand in awe of the Lord and his word. Isn't that wonderful? Psalmist said on one occasion that he stood in awe of the word of God. You know, the more you read the word of God, the greater your reverence and your respect will be for the Lord. And so number one, they needed to reverence the Lord. And then secondly, they asked to remember the Lord. Going down to verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God had commanded you? Then shalt thou say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed us signs and wonders and great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all of his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto his fathers, our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, the fear of the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is as this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he had commanded us. Moses is saying here that you need to remember the Lord. There will come a day when your children will ask you, what's all of this about? And that will give you an opportunity to teach, to educate, to instruct, 
to put them in the mind about the ways of God, you and I as parents and grandparents. We ought to look for the opportunities to teach our children, to talk about laying a foundation, passing on the faith, professing our faith. Peter talks about, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope with the, that is in you with meekness and fear. 1 Peter 3.15. You see, when our children ask us sometimes of why it is that you eat bread on Sunday morning and drink grape juice, what's all that about? Well, that gives us the opportunity to teach, doesn't it? An opportunity to talk about the Lord's Supper, that it's a memorial about the death of Christ the body that was hanging on that cross and the blood that was shed for us. When they ask us, why is it that I see you reading the Bible over and over again? Well, it gives us the opportunity to instruct, to say that we're trying to become more like Christ. We are studying the Bible because that's what the Lord wants us to do based on 2 Timothy 2.15. Why is it that people are baptized? What's up with that? Here again, it gives us the opportunity to teach. I'm sure many of us have heard the phrase from time to time, out of sight, out of mind, right? Out of sight, out of mind. What you and I have to do is to keep the spiritual things on that front burner. We need to do that in the home. The problem with the children of Israel is they didn't keep the spiritual things on that front burner. And because of that, they faced some great hardships innumerable problems what i am trying to say tonight is that if you will follow god's way i promise you it's the best way it is the only way to enjoy true peace and happiness in this life nothing else can compare and that's what god was saying to the children of israel if you will just follow me my way if you will follow my lead and you will honor what I say, he says, I will bless you and I will bless you abundantly. Later on in the book of Deuteronomy, God will say, but if you choose to ignore my commands, he says, I will curse you. Oh, we don't want that. And so Moses said, choose life that you may live. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Let us choose wisely. Let us do wisely. Let us stay faithful to the Lord. Let us be faithful till death. What about you tonight? What about you tonight? If you're a Christian, because you obeyed the gospel, you've been able to enjoy those spiritual blessings that can only be found in Christ Jesus. And that you don't want to forget. That you don't want to leave behind. If you have repent pray that god will forgive you and we'll pray with you but if you're here not a christian can we encourage you to become one realizing that jesus is the christ the son of the living god john 8 24 says that you'll die in your sins if you don't realizing that you need to make a change in your life called repentance to turn away from those things wrong to that which is right romans 10 9 and 10 to then make that good confession that jesus is the christ Matthew 10, 32, and then go down into the waters of baptism based upon that faith and that belief and the confession and repentance. So that when you go down into the waters of baptism, being buried in that watery grave, you'll rise to walk in newness of life, a child of God, to be able to take on the wor world 
and to take the word to the world. We hope that we can help you tonight. Tonight's the night. 